Are you ready for operational excellence? Welcome to the Visual Workplace, Work That Makes Sense, where your host and visual workplace expert, Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth, shares powerful visual principles and practices to optimize your operations and make them safer, faster, better, and far less costly. The Visual Workplace. You can't get to excellence without it. Now, here's Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth. Hello and welcome. Welcome to The Visual Workplace. This is Gwendolyn Galsworth, and I am your host on this, our weekly radio show, about letting the workplace speak. In each of our shows, we explore, we describe, we celebrate the principles and practices of the visual workplace, the concepts and tools, methods and strategies, the people and results of letting the workplace speak, of applying, deploying, implementing the technologies of the visual workplace. And the outcomes are informational transparency, dramatic improvements in productivity, quality, and cultural alignment, a robust, spirited, and engaged workforce on all levels of the enterprise, not just value-add associates, but everyone, you too. (laughs) I love saying that. (laughs) You too, you too. Become a visual thinker. Learn how to think visually. Embed your process of work into the living landscape of work. So welcome. Welcome, and we will continue today with my book, Work That Makes Sense, but I first want to just alert you, too, that we have a a website, wonderful website called visualworkplace.com. Please go there to find out about our products and services, the kind that we deliver on site as we help companies convert to workplace visuality. Please find free articles, over 100 of them. And please find these pro- these podcasts and my books, my books. We're getting a new e-store and we hope that will be up in about a week. It looks very pretty. And if you want more information or if you want to arrange for me or one of our affiliates, one of our certified affiliates, to work with you at your company, please email us at radio at visualworkplace.com. We are happy to help. You can also reach us through the website, through the contact forms there. We are happy to help. We love our work. So we continue today. I will continue sharing the contents of my book on operator-led visuality, Work That Makes Sense. And we are currently in Chapter 1, which is introducing operators to the concept of a visual workplace. We began, this is an introductory chapter, so we began with a word at the start to managers, alerting them that their role is important to the success of what their operators do in learning how to think visually. And we also had a word to our associates, our operators, our hourly employees, recognizing that you are the experts of the work and you are capable of creating an expert work environment through visuality. Having established that, then, we begin with the basic definitions of what is a visual workplace. And we left that off the last time we met with the piece on the fact that visual devices are everywhere. They're everywhere in the community. They help us do the right thing. We'll pick up from there. 
They help us do the right thing on time and safely without speaking a word. They guide, direct, and protect us so seamlessly that we barely even notice them. And yet they are powerfully a part of our daily life and the success of our daily life. If we go to the airport and look at the terminal gate, we will notice markings that are at that gate and in the runway. Markings that allow the people who work there to utilize that space optimally, safely, efficiently. You will see flow lines or what I call the critical path. And in this one particular airport, this was in Philadelphia, and now this mechanism, I'm making commentary by the way, this mechanism is widespread throughout all airports. You'll see a cluster of a cluster of numbers and letters on yellow crossbars populating where the jetway meets the plane. And they allow, those markings allow the door of the plane to match up perfectly with the jetway. And they're embedded. They're embedded in a visual mini system to optimize this micro operation that is so important for the traveler and for the airline and the terminal. And that is getting passengers off the plane quickly and efficiently, of course, safely and getting a new group, a new batch of whip on the plane. Many, many visual devices at the airport, and many of them have been uniformly, are now uniformly deployed throughout all airports, whether they're regional or they're jet planes. And I want to make a point here about what the airline industry and the airport industry does so well. They populate their devices. If they discover a device and it works well, a visual device, they have a mechanism set up. They have a format, a process set up so that that good news is populated across the network of airports that populate the world. There is a great lesson there and there is a great weakness that it points up In our companies, our manufacturing companies, of any type of manufacturing, and that is, how do you spread the good news? What is your mechanism for putting a discovery, a visual discovery that happens in one part of a plant and let it be populated throughout the plant? And I'm not talking about standardizing. I'm talking about developing visual best practices and then populating the best practices. The best way that I've seen this done, this is my commentary now, the best way that I've seen that done, populating ideas that work, visual devices that work across the plant, and of course, across your network of plants, if you happen to have multi-sites, is a mechanism that was invented by a group of operators working for Johnson & Johnson in New Mexico, They had gone to their management when they got hold of our online course on work that makes sense. We have an online online training um, system that parallels this book, that puts this book on its feet and uh, allows operators to learn in, in groups and be interactive and to apply. And they 
that was brought into the site in New Mexico, uh, in Albuquerque, and it was being taught by the local trainers, and the operators went to management after they got a sense of this building block we call iDriven, which we will spend quite a bit of time on very soon in the next chapter. They said, you know, this is supposed to be iDriven. Would you allow us to teach ourselves? We've got the online system. We have the modules. They're fully narrated. And we think that we can do at least as good a job as you are doing teaching us and maybe even better because then we'll own it and that part will be iDriven as well. Well, Margie Miramontes was in charge of strategic improvement and she couldn't help but say, yes, yes, let's see what happens. What can we do to help you? And they set it up and the operators simply took over. I, I've told you about this a few times because I was so impressed. Do you remember I said they would invi- invent a visual device? This was packaging lines and other manufacturing type processes, physical processes. They would uh, discover one of the operators would invent a visual device and and put it as a star on a location map that every department had so that you could look at this map and know where all the visual devices were in the area and find them like an Easter egg hunt. And the fact of the matter is during the first six months when they took over, they created 1,031 implemented solutions and there were these maps full of stars and there would be a star a comparable star that would you could locate that would that was on the equipment or in the physical workplace itself. And this was just such a celebration, but they went further. They wanted to spread the good news. They wanted a way to make sure that a good idea on the north end of the factory reached the west end of the factory. And they created a grid, a population grid, and every single visual device. At the time that I saw it, there were 1,031, so it was a long grid. Every single visual device was noted and either was populated or deemed not ready to be populated, but if it was populated, you would see every single department and there would either be a green or red or yellow. The green was the population happened The red was it was stalled for some reason. The yellow was it was on its way but not yet complete. So they could see at a glance the entire population of visual best practices. And the emphasis was on best practices. It was making an an invention, make an invention, vet it, keep going, make it more powerful. Because as you'll find out when we get there, one of the final chapters of this book is how do you make your visual devices more popular? I beg your pardon, more powerful. How do you make them more powerful? What does it mean to make a visual device powerful? What's the difference between a visual indicator, a visual signal, a visual control, and a visual guarantee or pokey oak device? And they would emphasize, let's take it to its most powerful level, and then we will spread the good news. Mm-hmm. And and that and the airline industry has this down to a science. So in about 19, it was about 1994, 
one of my colleagues, Brett Balkema, saw this array on the tarmac. It was the first time we traveled a lot at that time. We travel a lot now. And he brought back the picture to the team and said, look at what I found. And it was the mar- what they call in the air- airline industry markings, wayfinding markings, markings on the tarmac. And we, we watched over the years these markings not only populate but become more and more refined, more and more sophisticated. So while we took a picture of a single flow line, a single critical path, and at the end of it was a tree of the, the numbers of the, airport, of the airplanes, 757, 747, the DC-10. While we would see that, late, later, and this was about 10 years ago, I was at the Miami airport and I saw that there were two flow lines There wasn't one, there was two. And the same gate was able to accommodate regional jets with one flow line and international jets with the second flow line with the same amount of specificity, the same amount of sophistication, the same amount of embeddedness as a single flow line. And what they did is they expanded the capacity, they is expanded the capability, the CPK, of the gates. And I later found out that that half a bucket of yellow paint that was used to expand the CPK of each gate meant that the Miami airport could welcome 30% more planes. It also meant that it didn't have to figure out how to expand in a location, a geographic location, where expansion wasn't possible because they were surrounded by Miami. So it's very, very interesting, and that's the point that we make on this particular page. The visual devices in the airport systems enable the pilots and the ground crew to have a conversation with the pilot sitting 20 or 30 feet above the tarmac. The relationship, the pilot cannot see his plane's address, the stop point, but the crew can, and they share information by means of another visual device, signal wands, in order to make the connection between the size of the plane, the positioning of the door, and the positioning of the jetway. This is a splendid system, I'm reading now, of devices built directly into the floor or the tarmac, the tarmac and allows the two stakeholders, pilot and crew, to connect accurately and quickly so they can do the right thing for their customers, so that they can do safe work and serve the passengers on the plane and the airline industry. The visual mini system that I just described doesn't just benefit pilot, crew, and customers. It also benefits the community. Nearby towns and cities benefit because the airport has expanded its capability from being a regional airport to being an international airport, and the economy of the community absorbs that and grows. Whether you are a pilot, a ground crew member, or you work elsewhere in the airport, 
When planes take off and land safely and on time, you get another dose of job security. All this is thanks in good part to the visual mini system at the gate and the way it builds vital information directly into the process of work. That is the power of a visual workplace. Many airport-based solutions are setting the pace for your industry. And my comment is, next time you're on a plane, get a seat by the window, get your camera out, and bring back the learning to your colleagues. Hmm? These airports are all speaking the same language, and it is the language of visuality. Notice how visual devices help you from the moment you enter the airport property. And as I say, next time you fly, get a window seat and watch as the planes taxi. You'll see lots of visual devices, lots of very sophisticated commentary, sophisticated um, standard procedures are built in. Us. Pages and pages and pages of them. These devices do what our road system does, work so seamlessly, we hardly notice them, we simply obey. We and the thousands of other people who use that airport daily, we do the right thing because it is so easy to know what it is and how to do it. Together, these devices create a level of operational excellence that would be impossible to achieve without them. I want to read that again. Together, these visual devices create a level of operational excellence that would be impossible to achieve without them. Operational excellence that is reliable, repeatable, even if it happens infrequently. That infrequency is still built in to the living landscape of work. Everything and everyone functions to plan safely, accurate, precisely, completely, and on time because that's the nature of the information. Accurate, precise, complete, and there when we need it. What is true for the airport is true for so many community locations. If they are visual, they are almost certainly also safe, well-run, productive, and prospering. We live in a visual world because we are visual beings and not the reverse. The world is not visual to teach us about visuality. The world is visual because that's what we need in order to function in it. Keep your eyes open and you will see visual devices everywhere. Before we look more closely at the pre-visual workplace, Let's clear up a possible misunderstanding. The purpose of a visual device is to carry a message, to carry vital information. But such a device can and often does use our five senses. In other words, they're not just visual devices, they are sensory devices. Calling the devices visual is a bit inaccurate inaccurate, because such devices really use all of our five senses, not just sight, to share information and deliver the message. Sight, our most frequently used 
sense is sight. We are sight dominant as human beings, as homo sapiens. We are visual beings living in a visual world. The highways are thick with road signs telling us vital things. Sound. The ringing phone delivers the message that someone wants to talk to us. In the workplace, the corollaries are beepers on trucks and forklifts warn us when they are backing up and may be heading our way. Smell. Gas in its natural form is colorless, nearly odorless for all intents and purposes, and highly combustible. You can't see it, you can't smell it, and it's dangerous. It can kill. In visuality, we say the gas carries no message, no warning. That's why a rotten egg smell, sulfur, is intentionally added in case we forget to turn off our stove or detect a leak before a fire, before an explosion. The smell becomes our visual device. It becomes a physical way of knowing that danger is near, and we sense it. Taste. A toddler puts everything in her mouth, including that bottle of poison you forgot to throw out. After too many little babies were harmed, a bad taste is now routinely added to send the message to the baby. Ugh, don't drink me. And often a smell to go with it. Whatever it takes to make the device powerful enough to get the toddler the baby, to change her behavior. An opposite message is sent through taste when cherry flavor is added to otherwise bad-tasting medicine. We want the toddler to take it, and that gives a positive message to do so. And finally, touch. Small raised bumps embedded in walkways called tactile paving, are used extensively on crosswalks and train platforms to alert the visually impaired people of danger. The blind receive this message through the tips of their canes, others through the soles of their shoes. And the warning is, danger is near, pay attention. It's a change in texture. Some people have said commentary. Some people have um, drawn a parallel to Braille. It's the touch. It's the tactile knowledge that is very informative to people who are sight impaired. Of course, makes perfect sense. Let's do it everywhere. So I wanted to share with you that piece about the senses so that you understand that we have these mechanisms for receiving messages. Let's use them. Why not also at work? If they are prevalent in the community and do so much good and are intentional, they are not there by accident, they are part of the design of community places to keep our citizens, to keep us safe, why not also at work? Why not indeed? Let's move on. The pre-visual workplace. 
By now you get it. An airport is a workplace, and the devices we see there ensure that what is supposed to happen does happen. They ensure that work makes sense. So why not bring them into your company, into your own work area, onto your bench, onto your desk? The vast system of visual devices that make up our airport, that make our airport safe, productive, and profitable can do the same at work through the exact devices, though the exact devices will differ because your operations differ. To make sure you understand the power of visuality, let's use our imagination. Remove the devices that you just studied from the airport gate. In your mind's eye, erase the yellow flow line. Erase the addresses, the names of airplanes, DC-10, 747. Erase the red and and white borders that warn you that the turbines may still be spinning. What does the gate look like now? It looks empty. What is the impact of that? Would it still be as safe to work at that gate? Would it be as productive for you, for your customers? Would passengers still have a satisfying experience, safely and smoothly coming and going as their needs require, off the plane, on the plane, off the plane, on the plane? Would that huge white plane, that international jet, be able to land at an airport where gate operations were not visual? What do you think? Now ripple your mind out and remove all the visuals you see in the airport entirely, in the terminal, on the tarmac, on the way in. Turn the airport into a pre-visual workplace where there are no visual devices, where there is zero visual information sharing. What would that mean? What would be the impact of that? How many planes per day would land and take off safely in an airport that is not visual? Even if the government didn't require such devices, and they do, would you risk flying in and out of that place? Would other people? Think about the consequences of an airport without visuality and then the consequences of that for the company for the community it supports now apply that same logic to your own work area the place where you spend 35 to 40 job hours a week plus overtime sometimes to what extent does that location speak to you in a language that makes the meaning of that place and the work that goes on there clear correct, precise, complete, and available at a glance. To what extent is your work area visual right now? In today's world, information is the bedrock of our daily life. So much so we hardly notice until it's not there anymore. Easy access to information is vital to our way of life. Visuality is the main way we access it. Think again of our roads and highways. 
they are populated by visual devices that powerfully and precisely guide and direct us on our way. We barely notice them because they are so much a part of what we expect, what we have come to rely on, to help us do the right thing and avoid the wrong thing. The result? We can get where we want to go safely and on time. Why not in the workplace? Why not bring the power of visuality to our banks, hospitals, factories, mines, military depots, engineering offices, marketing offices, retail stores, restaurants, utility plants, processing facilities, schools and universities, movie lots, and and construction sites? Why not bring visuality to the entire world of work? Why not, indeed? Hmm? In a pre-visual workplace, we are forced to rely on our words alone, whether spoken or written, to rely on our words to convey information and to convey meaning. As a result, we stay busy reading or talking or listening. They're called meetings or talking too much and listening too little, also called meetings. You know how that goes. Even when the information we need is in a report or binder or heaven help us somewhere in a computer, it is never really close enough. It is not where we need it, at our fingertips, at the point of use. If you have ever spent an hour searching your computer for a file you worked on only yesterday, you know exactly what this means. The information is in there somewhere, but you cannot find it and so you cannot use it. And even if you do find it, you really only need part of it, not all 15 screens. You see? The pre-visual workplace is always hungry for information, starved for information that is either there somewhere or simply not there. In either case, information is missing. Details that can usually only be found in the mind or the memory of someone else are not available. But what if that colleague is out ill? Or just began a two-week vacation? What if he or she is at yet another meeting or just got promoted and has left the building? What happens? What happens is this. We're stuck. When all is said and done, the result of missing information is this. We can't do our work. Not all of it, or not yet, or not exactly, not completely, not safely, and not on time. I began this chapter by declaring that you are expert at what you do, an expert at what you do. I know this is true and so do you. But in an information-starved work area, a pre-visual workplace, you will never get to show that to me. You will never get to show your expertise to anyone and not even to yourself. Instead, you are going to do a lot of wandering around and asking questions, and a lot of listening to answers that are not really the answers you need. Or you just might decide to skip all that and take a guess. Take a chance out of desperation or determination to get on with your day and take a guess. Or you may decide to do nothing, to simply stop and wait. Yes, you are good at what you do. 
but in an information-hungry pre-visual work area, chances are slim that you are going to get to do it. Regardless of the type or size of your organization, information drives your day. If a single employee anywhere in the company cannot get the exact information he or she needs when and as needed, the organization has a rip in it. Like an otherwise strong fishing net, the size and number of those rips, those information deficits, will determine the level of struggle we have to deal with and the number of fish that get away. The 10 doorways, so that's that section. And I want to remind you that the you that I'm addressing in this book throughout is the operator, the value-add associate, the hourly employee, the person who works on the conversion level. And I want to say to you, if you're a trainer or a manager or CEO, is that this is the language of equality. This is a recognition of the value of the contribution of operators. And it is talking to the operator about raising his or her level. Learning. Learning how to think in a new way. Learning how to understand problems in a new way. Learning how to solve those problems in a new way. I-driven through the methodology we call visuality, which is a very mm, step-by-step methodology. It has a logic and a rationale of its own. It is dignified. It is interesting. It is provocative. And it stimulates curiosity. Not just curiosity about work, but curiosity about how things work. Curiosity is a step along the road that I call discovery. Visual thinking is a journey of discovery, and it is an in, a journey that is interesting simply because of that, that it will also benefit your company. I'm now talking to CEOs and plant managers enormously as a self-generative tool. Us, and the engine is the eye. The engine is the human will. The engine is the curiosity. The engine is the appetite for discovery. That it does this as well has got to be great news because you get this tremendous cultural alignment, a workplace that speaks automatically connects the people who work there because the information is there when and as we need it. We pull it to us, we can relax. More about that in the next chapter. Perhaps we'll finish this chapter today. I think we'll get close. The final section, second to the final section of chapter one, is the 10 doorways, creating a workforce of visual thinkers. And this is a scan of the 10 doorway model, and you'll see why in this opening paragraph. This book is about you, a value-add associate, and how you can become a visual thinker and what that means to the enterprise. But that alone will not turn your company into a fully functioning visual workplace. 
To become a robust visual environment, your enterprise must engage everyone in making a visual contribution, in thinking visually. Each employee must open a door that leads to a higher and more complete level of visual information sharing relative to their own work. Everyone must become a visual thinker. You, your supervisor, your manager, the material handlers, executives, planners, the list is going to go on a while, schedulers, doctors and nurses, machinists, assemblers, engineers, buyers, marketing and the sales staff, everyone. And when everyone inside your company is engaged and involved and thinking visually, then it's time for your supply chain to get on board. That is why I say there are 10 doorways into a fully functioning visual workplace. Each one is opened by a specific organizational group or level or department. I developed this 10-doorway framework in order to show, to demonstrate that each company level gets involved and has to get involved in creating a visual workplace. These doorways also tell us precisely which category of visual thinking methodology, which methodology each of those levels is accountable for, which doorway each level or group owns. For example, engineers and supervisors own doorway two, visual standards. Visual standards, very important. But that doesn't mean that you or other value-add associates are not allowed to create visual standards. You are, you most certainly should and will. It simply means that the company holds managers and engineers and supervisors responsible for identifying accurate, precise, and complete technical and procedural standards across the organization and then making them visual. An area associate, as an area associate, you own Doorway 1, another example. Doorway 1 is about visual order and visual inventiveness, work that makes sense, the subject of this book. But that doesn't mean that engineers and supervisors and all other employees are not expected to implement visual order, the visual wear, to implement the visual wear in their respective work locations. They are, and they definitely will, as visuality picks up speed and focus in the enterprise. But your group, operators, will take the lead in operations. Because above and beyond everyone else, the visual wear is critical to your work, mission critical. You have an urgent need to know where things are, the things of your daily work. The point is the 10 doorways we are about to scan are not restrictive or exclusive. Anyone can contribute a visual solution to any doorway, but specific groups are held accountable for making sure that specific categories of visual function, specific methodologies are used and implemented no matter what. So let's take a quick walk through each of the 10 doorways, a scan, a short walk. Doorway one, 
owned by Value Add Associates. The methodology, the visual function, as I say in a fancy way, the methodology is work that makes sense, operator-led visuality, visual order, visual inventiveness. The first doorway belongs to you. As an expert on the value-add level, you focus first on installing the visual wear in your area, knowing precisely where things are at a glance because they are there visually. That automatically removes a ton of struggle, a ton of it. And you'll see hundreds, literally hundreds, of operator-level visual solutions in the chapters to come. And by the way, I think there's something close to a 1,000 visual solutions in our online system. We have amplified it, full of very rich examples. Doorway 2, owned by engineers, managers, and supervisors, the outcome visual standards. Doorway 2 is about making the two types of operational standards visual, technical standards, your product and process specifications, and procedural standards, your work methods and SOPs, if you will, your standard work and on more advanced levels. Supervisors, managers, engineers own this doorway because they are responsible, as I said a moment ago, for providing accurate, precise, complete, and timely standards, and then in a visual workplace, making them visual. Okay? And there are pictures to anchor that. Doorway three, it's about visual displays and visual scheduling, owned by planners, supervisors, and managers. In doorway three, supervisors, managers, and planners create visual displays, a type of, including production control boards, I should say, visual scheduling, so they can track what needs to be done, in what quantity, by when, where, and by whom. There are so many formats for visual displays, as many as there are needs for them. I like to say, and now this is commentary, that the visual display is there to capture the supervisor's pain, to capture what's eating the supervisor's lunch. You can be sure that it is minute and interactive, that the data changes many, many times during the day, and that it is impossible to track physically, as impossible to track to track through a computer. These displays are tactile for a reason. There is a section, a sector of human understanding that is called touch knowledge. It comes through the fingertips. It's like the tactile knowledge we were talking about before with folks who are blind or are uh, sight impaired. They depend on the physicality of touch. And when you have an interactive visual display that represents your need to know as a supervisor, manager, or planner, the knowledge is complete and you get to know those data points that are moving on from hook to hook or moving along. Uh, I'm thinking about a particular visual display that the plant manager in Birmingham, Rolls-Royce plant, made. He made little horses. And I chased after him 
We were in there about 7 o'clock, chased after him as he ran to his display. And his entire team was gathered around him, and he moved the horsey along. It was a shocking moment because it was so clear to all of us that the horse wasn't just, it wasn't because it was cute. He wasn't being childish. It's that it held for him the production schedule in a way that was meaningful that he could touch and own and begin to come to an understanding of, begin to conceptualize in a very broad and complete way. My One of the few regrets I have in the world is never taking a photograph of that, but I felt really I was in such a surprised state that I missed the opportunity. We call visual displays the way to tell the truth as truth changes. So that's doorway three. Let me not digress. Doorway four, owned by executives, managers, and supervisors, this is the doorway of visual leadership. It contains in it visual metrics, visual problem-solving, visual leadership in that order. Company leaders are responsible for maintaining focus on vision, mission, and goals of the enterprise. They are responsible for driving towards them through measures, metrics, and for solving problems permanently. They may not do commentary. They may not do the problem-solving themselves, but they are responsible for identifying methods of problem-solving and making sure that they are deployed. Doorway 4 helps leaders make that happen visually. This threesome is visuality's response to the need for Hoshin, the Japanese word for compass, Hoshin Kanri, shiny compass. Okay? So we have within that We have the house, we have the X-type matrix, we have the operations roadmap. Vital tools for every leader. Doorway five, visual pull systems, but first visual controls, owned by engineers, planners, supervisors, and material handlers. First visual controls, and then pull systems. Determining the order and flow of materials into your area is the role of planners, engineers, supervisors, and material handlers. They own Doorway 5. Please notice, commentary, that we've crossed organizational levels. You want your material handlers to be part owners of this doorway, even though they are hourly employees. They will help you so much. The first task of this group is to control material quantity material consumption, and material replenishment. That's the visual control. You can think of min-max levels. The second task is to implement pull, creating pull by limiting quantity, by creating that vacuum. Okay, Kanban comes to mind. Kanban that ensures there is always enough and just enough material to operate Don't worry, this device says. You won't run out, but you also can't hoard material. We took away the room. It's called the big squeeze. (laughs) Doorway six, visual guarantees Pokey Oak, owned by engineering 
and I hope your quality department, quality technicians, engineers, and your quality department are responsible for product and process quality. Doorway 6 focuses on the smartest, surest, quickest way for that to happen. Pokey Oak Systems Visual Guarantees. First, your quality techs learn how to build 100% source inspection into the process of work, and then they teach you how to do it. The result is that you become master of cause on the attribute level. No more mistakes. Fantastic. Doorway 7, the visual machine. I love to see this owned by maintenance. If production in your company relies on machinery, your maintenance department can stay very busy. In Doorway 7, maintenance seeks your help. Remember, I'm talking to the operator when I say you. Seeks your help, operator, in getting the machines to speak through visual devices. When machines become visual, everyone knows how to run and maintain them at a glance. And when a machine a visual machine needs a fix, we know it almost before the machine does. Plus, because the machine speaks, maintenance can make its repairs quickly. Okay? This is also about keeping your to- your tools calibrated and sharpened. Everything. Doorway 7. Oh, my goodness. Wonderful. We have a wonderful methodology on that, of course. The visual machine. Doorway 8. The visual lean office, your admin or support staff. Research shows that nearly 70% of all costs begin in the company office and support areas. Doorway 8 helps office staff make their areas speak so that they too can tell at a glance what's right, what's wrong, what's fast, what's slow, and how to make corrections. When pull is added to the equation, lean is added to visual. The result is the visual lean office, a visual conversion using the first six doorways, this time exclusively in the office setting. Many, many wonderful devices in that doorway, through that doorway. Doorway nine, we're getting to it. Special macro team in charge of the macro environment. As areas gather speed on their own visual journey, the company forms a special team, really within the first two months of any kind of launch, forms a special team to coordinate visuality across the enterprise, much as our friends did at Johnson & Johnson in Albuquerque. Doorway 9 is owned by this macro team. And the macro team is comprised of ace visual thinkers who pay attention to the big picture. They identify the need for visual linkages between departments and create them. So we're hooking up the departments. They pinpoint visual best practices in the making and populate them. Thanks to them, visual information sharing deepens and grows across the enterprise. And yes, up and down the supply chain. Value Add Associates, you also sit on this team. And I hope you say yes when the opportunity comes along. Doorway 10. Doorway 10, I'm saying as a comment, is a hybrid. It is my exam awards process for multi-department or multi-site configurations. It is a framework that is developed 
for companies that are well advanced in visuality to make sure visual practices are tied together and continue to grow for maximum success. So here we're talking about sustainment on a large scale. Doorway 10 examiners assess, assess each area using a set of visual principles and practices known as scorecards. The examiner teams are comprised of master visual thinkers, which include you after you have learned to make your own work area visual, your own work area speak loud and clear through workplace visuality. It's a wonderful, wonderful mechanism. Those are the 10 doorways. These, there are, there they are. The 10 doorways and how these doorways are used to create a workforce of visual thinkers in the enterprise with every company function making powerful visual contributions to take the struggle and guesswork out of work. The result, an enterprise populated by hundreds, not by hundreds, but by thousands of visual solutions, not just on the production floor, but equally in support offices, sales and marketing, the lobby and the boardroom. And then sooner or later, Visuality jumps organizational boundaries into, once again, your supply chain or your distribution network. Imagine what it would mean for your company to become a fully functioning visual work environment and what that would mean for your internal and external customers, for the work that gets done in your company and for the people who do it. Imagine what that would mean for you. Work that makes sense. So I want to uh, wrap up our session today. We have one more section in Chapter 1, but uh, we will dispose of that quite nicely. It's called The Benefits of a Visual Workplace. And we have a host of benefits, seven of them. And uh, some of them include financial impact. But we'll stop here for for the day and pick this up as a kind of intro as we move to the second chapter, which is the building blocks. And it will be a great pleasure to walk you through these because they are fundamental to this outcome we call visual thinking and creating a workforce of visual thinkers. I hope that you have benefited from our discussion today. I find it very, very interesting and I want to remind you that this work that I'm presenting, these words, come from dozens upon dozens upon dozens of implementations that I've done and dozens upon dozens more that our affiliates have done. This is real work. It is hands-on. It is the journey of discovery. It is entirely satisfying and rewarding, and it's hard work. It is so interesting. I want to wish you the very best of journeys in wherever you're going, and I hope that visuality will be part of it, that you will say yes to a journey into the visual workplace. I wish you well on that journey. I will be here next week. Let the workplace speak. Thank you for joining us this week at Visual Workplace Radio. 
Tune in for another episode next Tuesday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific, with your host, Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth, on the Voice America Business Channel. Let the workplace speak.